He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere, a radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This This is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and welcome in. Survived the weekend. Uh, I don't know what it was like in your neighborhood. We got some a little bit of hail, high winds, and a lot of rain in Collierville. Uh, apparently, there was some... Um, I didn't get the hail in Collierville, but we did get uh, heavy rains and, and some wind. And then I was out this morning in Germantown Parkway. We was out without power all up and down. I think there were 5,000 people without power this morning. And... Um, they were working all the traffic lights up and down Germantown Parkway. Then I made a left on, on Walnut Grove and uh, only to encounter uh, more outages. The light at Farmington or uh, Farm Road was apparently out. Uh, but I ended up first uh, exit I got to in the park. I exited because that's my personality. I took this test one time to see if you got AD, ADD, you're driving along. Uh, how long will you wait at a traffic light before you find another street to cut down? It's like seconds with me. <laughs> I got to get out of here. And uh, but uh, Farm uh, Walnut Grove there, Farm Road was jammed up for a while. I do think they have most of the power back on in the city. Uh, let's see, did have outage. I'll look it up during the break. Uh, uh, check out the outage map with MLG and W. But they had all those businesses up down uh, Germantown Parkway that were without power as well. But I, did, I think it was some straight-lined winds that came through there that uh, knocked some poles loose. Or I don't know if it knocked them all the way over, but enough to knock out the power. So they had a bunch of MLGW trucks working on that. Um, otherwise, we needed the rain badly, and uh, we still do. Uh, if you drive along the interstate, look at the grass. It's sort of crispy. And uh, so uh, thank goodness for that. And I think we're going to get some more tomorrow and the next couple of days. So that's all good. Today was a momentous day in broadcast history in uh, the city of Memphis and the Mid-South. <clears throat> One of the most famous radio stations in this country. I don't think a lot of people realize that. FM 100, WMC FM 100, uh, signed off today as FM 100. It is now the Wolf. The same uh, number on your station ID. Well, I think it's 99.7. And... Uh, but for over 50 years, it was the go-to station in Memphis uh, for uh, pop music. Uh, it was a battle royal for many years between Rock 103 and FM 100. And the rockers loved uh, Rock 103 because it was a little more heavy metal, uh, you know, a little more. <laughs> FM 100 was more the pop music, and you know, top 10 hits, top 100. And but it was more than that. It was really a, a, an immersion into the community. I remember having the pleasure of working there with Ron Olson doing the morning show for almost a year and a half before I went back to TV because it was easier. <laughs> but they did. We had you were always going to different events. Uh, there was the went around to swimming pools in the summer to all the. Greenbrook Bend and all these different apartment complexes that people had. I mean, every, it seemed like everybody was single those days. And they had these huge pool parties. They had the TGIF party every Thursday night at t- Fridays. At, at midnight, they'd shower everybody with confetti and have noisemakers. And Ron Olson would always be there spinning records in the in the middle of the floor there at Fridays. And 
And then the the actual Friday parties, they would have those uh, all over the city at different venues. And they'd have giveaways and contests and uh, have bands. And it was just uh, all, everything. I mean, the disc jockeys uh, and the people, the hosts of the shows were everything. And it was back before the Internet. So people didn't have that. It was back before cell phones. And you think about it. I mean, you tuned into a radio station to find out what was going on. Because once you got in your car, <clears throat> excuse me, you were you were pretty much isolated until you got to your next stop. And remember, people say, "Now call me when you get there," because <laughs> they had no idea what was going on with you while you were traveling. But people kept up with everything on FM one hundred. Of course, Ron Olson, a known liar, was always spoofing everybody uh, with different, uh, you know, little bits he'd come up with, giving evacuation routes out of the city, but never told anybody what was going on. <laughs> They nearly hauled him away for that one, then telling people the $20 bills could become obsolete after a certain day. All the banks and uh, even the Federal Reserve and the Secret Service got a hold of him on that and said cease and desist because uh, he was actually breaking a law on that one. Uh, but it was always something like that. So, and to this day, Kathy, my wife, will say, did you hear about this? I was like, where did you hear that? She goes, well, Ron Olson. I said, come on, Kathy, it's Ron. <laughs> He goes, oh, I guess you're right. But do you really think it could be true? Don't you think? And that was always it. There was just enough there that you would go, this could be true now. Uh, so it has been an institution and, and a huge one, uh, 300,000 clear watts, and it just blasted out of the out of the Mid-South all over the place. And if you were a touring band in the 70s and 80s and even the 90s, uh, you had to be on FM 100. It was really the only way people promoted everything. You promoted rock concerts. If you came to town, you needed to be on the radio because there was no other place. I mean, they could run ads on television, but those are very expensive. And it was also how you found out what the latest songs were. I mean, you go to Pop Tunes and uh, see what the top 100 were because they put that out, I think, a daily or weekly basis. But uh, the radio station really was everything. Uh, in Today, it is really more, there's still some stations around that are like that. So many of them are uh, programmed someplace else. They have disc jockeys and personalities so in some other city uh, just piping into your city. That's why local radio still is huge because that is your connection to everything. And if uh, things start happening, I know that's what we do here at uh, the Body 990 KWAM. 107.9 FM is that when things start happening, uh, that's when we get busy and start getting you the information. Because if you're driving along in your car, that's really the only place you can get it. Either that or wait for the 5 o'clock news. That's another thing that has changed over the years. Used to, television would break in with some breaking news event. Now they don't want you to know about it until it's 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock. So you'll tune in they'll get the ratings for it. So they, don't, they'll, they may put out a teaser, but they'll give you any details. And when things break here... We give you as much information as we could get you as fast as we can get it to you once we confirm it. So a lot has changed over the years uh, in, in broadcasting, and, and I'm sure it will continue to change. And, but it is uh, somehow disquieting to know that uh, when you turn tune in to 99.7, it will never again be FM 100 on your dial. And that I will miss. We're going to be checking in with Natalie Rosenberg, who's been a good friend for many years. She worked there for many years. And just to get her remembrances and, and her thoughts on the end of a, really a legend. What's weird about it is it really was the people that made it the legend. All the people who worked there, the staffers, the on-air personalities, the management, salespeople, uh, the people that set up the remotes, uh, 
it just it was a huge effort and it kept moving forward with the those interchangeable parts over the years so so many people were in promotions and in sales and and made it all possible because in the end it's it's electronics gear uh, towers and tubes now it's all digital but it was just a station it was what people did with that station over the years that really made it what it was and and a great and a great time it was but it's also our youth i mean all those songs that you hear that remind you of periods in your life during those uh, years, the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, that uh, you heard most of those songs on FM 100. And so when you hear them today, you always think of that and think of the people who brought it to you. So a very big day for broadcasting here in the Mid-South, the end of an era. And uh, we'll be talking about it in the 4 o'clock uh, time period with Natalie Allen. And uh, we'll take your calls. If you have some memories, we'd love to hear what you remember about FM 100, what it meant to you. Uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, we'll be back. We're also checking in with Daniel Irwin at uh, 3.30 with the Better Business Bureau talking about FTC action against a uh, telephone, um, cell phone company that uh, was deceiving its customers. Can you believe that? All right, stay with us. We'll be back right after the break. And welcome back on this uh Kind of overcast Monday. They said we're going to have sun here, which only kind of fits in with my mood because that's kind of gloomy. I, I really didn't think I would feel this way about uh, FM 100 going off the air after all these years because, you know, things change. Uh, stations get bought. They get sold. I mean, every TV station I ever worked has been. It's not, no longer owned by the same people that I worked for when I was there. So, you know, it's just all part of the thing. But there was something about FM 100 that just was, uh, it was special to all of us, I think. Uh, we got a caller on line one, uh, Wiley. What's afternoon? Good afternoon. What's going on? Hello, my name is Willie. Oh, I'm sorry, Willie. I <laughs> I was looking at it wrong. Uh, well, it's got two L's. All right. What about the big banana? The big banana. Fifty six. Fifty six. Oh, big oh yeah, fifty six a.m. Absolutely. That was George Klein, and and he was there for many many years too. And this, I loved him. And, and that's also where, uh, uh, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of his name. Uh, Mr. D's, uh, 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 yeah. uh I, I missed that the duck and whatever that was. Yeah. But the, and that's the thing about a radio disco station. Duck. I missed the disco duck. Yeah. Well, he, you know, he made more money off that than anything else he ever did. In fact, uh, the guy that wrote it with him is still getting royalties from disco duck. Rick D's is and, and that's awesome. All right. But no, what about the big banana? And then what about the one oh two we had it out in Millington, but the one oh two mobile. That old walrus or whatever they call it. Yeah, well that was Rock one oh three and uh but I think it was actually one oh two point seven or something down, but they called it Rock one oh three the walrus. I used to hire I'd have them come out yeah. and bring a band when I had Sleep Out Louis downtown and we had these alley parties. Was that you think anybody will come? So we got the walrus to come down there and do a live remote. We brought in like 10 kegs of beer and like 4,000 people showed up. And uh, I think I said, well, I missed that. Well, it had times have changed. The radio stations just don't do the kind of things they used to, you know, and it's, uh, it's like everything kind of evolves, but I miss it too, uh, Willie. And, uh, uh, I'm sure. Did you hear the FM 100 thing? But everything's changed. It's, uh, now it's country and everything. Yeah, I mean, who would have ever thought FM 100 would have gone country? 
and in country, it's not really country anymore. It's kind of a pop sound too. So it's you know, as my son, who's only thirty four, says, "Dad, started it." I think you're right. Well, all of them now. She was country. She was, and now she's pop, and uh, but she still crosses back over when she wants to do a country song. But it's uh, as my son, who's only thirty four, says. Dad, I hate change. I said, just wait. You'll hate it even more when you get to be my age. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm seeing, I'm seeing good for our city. Yes, I am. Well, I am in Capelville. Yes. And tell Todd, Capelville's behind him. I will do that, and he'll appreciate that. And Willie, I appreciate you listening. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. You too. And he's right. There are all these stations, Magic 101. I mean, all these stations of local people that uh, that were part of your community and still are. And I'd certainly like to think that we are and uh, will continue to be. But do, things do change. And uh, shows come and they go. And uh, just ask Tucker Carlson. Here's a guy, the most popular guy on cable television. And they come in one day and say, you're fired. And so now I understand that he just received a cease and desist letter from Fox saying, and right at the top of the page it says, this is not for public broadcast. <laughs> like, like, yeah, don't tell anybody that we've sent you a cease and desist. I mean, apparently the message from his producer, his executive producer, is nobody's going to silence Tucker Carlson. He had something like 600, well, 65 million people have tuned in to his uh, his. Um, uh, Twitter show, and that's just been in the. Uh, he's only done two of them, and so I think that uh, it's going to be a little hard to keep him under wraps. And they say that this next one, he's going to uh, go into the uh, the uh, indictment of Trump will be his next show. So you know that will be a uh, a huge show. But uh, it said that. Uh, uh, the news, uh, Fox News has sent a cease and desist letter to Tucker Carlson as he ramps up a competing series on Twitter that drew a combined, I'm oh, sorry, I, th- I said 65 million, 160 million views for its first two episodes. Uh, why it matters, the contract battle between Fox and its former top host, who was taken off the air in April after the network's historic Dominion settlement, has mightily mighty repercussions for the conservative media ecosystem. With Tucker on Twitter, Carlson has a growing production team are working to elevate Elon Musk's social media site as a news platform. The cease and desist letter has not for publication in bold letters at the top. Fox is continuing to pay Carlson and maintains that he has a contract that keeps his content exclusive to Fox through December 31st, 2024, which is not this December, but next December, which is well after the midterms, which they would love to keep him silent through all that. Uh, his two first two episodes were straight to camera monologues. He plans on keeping iterating with long and more varied episodes and the addition of a guest. And we hear some big names are lined up. Uh, Justin Wells, Carlson's executive producer, tweeted that next episode of Tucker on Twitter is coming Tuesday, tomorrow. Tucker's response to the indictment of President Donald Trump. Uh, Harmit Dillon, a lawyer who represents Carlson along with Brian Friedman, said in a statement to Axios 
Fox News continues to ignore the interests of its viewers, not to mention its shareholders and its obligations. Uh, doubling down on the most catastrophic programming decision in the history of the cable news industry, Fox is now demanding that Tucker Carlson be silent until after the 2024 election. Uh, Tucker will not be silenced by anyone. He is a singularly important voice on the matter of public interest in our country and will remain so. Fox News has not commented. So, so there you are. Uh, but as I say, things continue to change. You know, who's um, leading now the big turnover at CNN? They brought this guy in uh, who said we're going to be more uh, middle of the road. All the employees hated who didn't get fired is were revolting against him and saying, you're killing us, you're killing us. Well, so they got rid of him. Now everybody's saying, who are they going to get to take that job now? Because if you're, if you're really far left-wing and it goes down the tubes, you're going to get blamed for that. And if, if there's more centrist and, and more centrally um, uh, positioned and it doesn't work, uh, you're going to get nobody's – CNN ain't coming back. Let me just put it to you that way. <laughs> they have – alienated everybody and i'm afraid that's uh, gonna be pretty much it for cnn and then you got people like msnbc and uh it's uh and you think that they would pay it someone attention and uh you know see what's going on around them and not make some of the same mistakes uh uh, in a little bit, I want to talk more. Mark Cuban came out today and said, going woke is good for business. It even cites the Bud Light and Target situation saying, yeah, but we've seen this before. And if you talk to people who've been in business, they know that people forget and they go back to their old habits after a little bit. Yeah, well, they haven't uh, with Bud Light and they haven't with Target. And I think this is a new day. And I think people are starting to express their feelings. And demonstrating that, you know, you can't continue to shove stuff down our throat and just expect us to take it and like it. And uh, and I think they see the results that they're having for the first time because before, you know, they would, uh, like the, the the truck drivers in Canada, they got went in and took their bank accounts away, stopped their businesses from operating. And with this, how are you going to stop us from not buying something? They don't know who we are. Who's not buying out there? Turn yourself in. Uh, that ain't going to happen. It's a, it's just a, a silent vote, uh, but it does amount to something. And so, you know, it's a, it's a boycott. It's worked for other people over the years. And apparently now it's uh, working for conservatives. They're sitting there going, Hey, this stuff actually works. Yes. Yes, it does. So you keep it up. If that's the, what you want to do is make, let people know how you feel about something. And all you got to do is not buy something that ain't hard to do with the price of everything. Let's, Let's see else we can boycott. How we boycott candy? What do you say about kids, huh? You want daddy to put away the candy? No, daddy, no. Just buy cheap candy. <laughs> At any rate, uh, it uh, it's a constantly changing world, and it will continue to do so, I'm afraid. Up next, we got uh, Daniel Irwin with the Better Business Bureau talking about um, a cell phone company that was trying to put the screws to its customers. Surprise, surprise. We'll talk about it coming up. Now, back to the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. Once again, Earl Farrell. 
And thank you very much, and welcome back. Uh, joining me in studio right now is Daniel Irwin with the Better Business Bureau, and Randy Hutchison, who normally comes in, uh, is is out uh, having a procedure done today. Yeah, he should be he should be all right and back next week, but he's having a, a somewhat of a procedure today. So you know, he had the, the accident with the golf cart, uh, which that, that's a whole thing about you, you do something, and he's played golf probably his whole life. How many golf carts do you think he stepped in and out of throughout his whole life? Uh, but that's why they say most accidents happen within a half a mile of your home. Yeah. It's because it's the things you're most familiar with and the area you're most familiar with that end up where, where things happen. And so you got to constantly be on the, on the alert, no matter how many times you've done something. Look, especially as we get older, you know, look before you step off a curb. Yeah. And is there's a, a rock you're not seeing, you know, because all it takes is to be off just a little bit. We don't bounce so good after 70. <laughs> Not like you do, Danny, you young <laughs> punk. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just one of those freak things, I think, for yeah. him. I think he just, one of those, he just misstepped, and, and you know, it's just all been downhill from there. Well, we wish nothing but the best for him, so yeah. we'll tell him hi for us. He will definitely be back. Good. Uh, today, we're talking about a company that uh, that uh, is a phone company, the FTC uh, investigated, because they were doing something called dark patterns, which mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with that. I'd never heard that before. Yeah, so dark patterns, basically, uh, the, it's a way to trick and manipulate consumers into buying products or services or giving up their privacy. So some dark patterns, some examples are um, disguising ads to look like independent content, uh, making it difficult for consumers to cancel subscriptions or charges, uh, burying key terms or junk fees, and uh, taking cons- or, uh, tricking consumers into um, sharing their data, right? Those are just some examples of dark patterns. Um, specifically, what uh, the FTC accused the, uh, the company Vonage of doing, um, they were making it really easy for consumers and businesses to sign up for its services, but almost impossible to cancel. One of the things that they did was they, in, in their company policy, they, and they actually they used this, uh, and this is what ultimately got them in trouble, but they said, anybody can sign up online, but you have to speak to a real person to cancel. Well... They almost made it impossible to, to speak to, to a real, real person, right? Yeah, don't we know how that works? Right, right. So they, they told people that you had to talk to a live retention agent to cancel, but uh, consumers who wanted to talk to a retention agent had to wait for hours and hours and hours just to do so. And get this, they, the company actually, they limited the hours that the retention, uh, retention agent was available to like two or three hours a day. And so you, what you had Constant was busy hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people calling and, and, and there's only one or two retention agents. So it was just almost impossible. Um, and they also made it really hard to find the phone number of who you could call. So people <laughs> were calling the regular number to cancel, and they were told, no, you got to call the, the, you gotta call the retention yeah. number. And then they were hung up on before they could ever get the number. So they made it really, really hard to do that. And then also, um, you know, they, like I said, they reduced the hours of the cancellation line, um, resulting in lengthy waits. Uh, and then this is another one. They continue to charge people after they had actually been canceled. Wow. And so this was so prevalent and so bad, uh, the FTC came down on them for $100 million. That's, that's significant. Yeah. Usually it's not that big a fine when you look at what they did. And so did they pay up? Well, they're going to have to, yeah. Uh, that, that's their fine. And then they're, they're going to be required to reform their business practices as well. But a $100 million fine from the FTC is uh, major. So, you know, that that's not something that um, the FTC takes lightly. Um, 
just if you're if uh, ways to avoid dark patterns, um, make sure you understand the company's cancellation and refund policies, and be wary if you can't find them or if uh, they're more cumbersome than the sign up process. So. Uh, you know, a key factor here would be if you can sign up on the internet, but they make you call in, you know, to cancel something, that would be something, you know, you, you may want to stay away from. Um, and then also, if you have to proactively cancel after a free trial period, make sure you note the deadline on your calendar. That's a, that's another thing. A lot of times companies will have, you know, you have a seven day free trial period, but after that, they're going to go ahead and, and, and charge your card for a whole year. And in order to get that free trial, you have to give them your credit card, Right. That's a, that's we, we call that a dark pattern, too. That's a pretty standard tactic, but you really have to be careful because that can really get you sideways quick. Well, it happened to me recently. Uh, actually, it was back in football season. I wanted to watch a football game, and it said this uh, live outdoor football, uh, sign up for a free trial. Mm-hmm. So I did it on uh, my cell phone, watching that sitting outside, and it did work. I, I never was able to get the live game on to, even, to do a free, free trial. All of a sudden, I look on my bill from uh, uh, Comcast, and it's been charging me. Yep. So I said, okay. So I tried calling them. Once again, you can't get a hold yep. of anybody. Yeah, you can't get a hold of anybody. So I go down to Comcast office uh, there at Saddle Creek and said, uh, can you help me get rid of this? I guess, yes, sir. Happens. We see this all the time. Yep. So my advice would be, if you want to sign up for something like that, I would go through Comcast, but it's a third party. Yeah. So well, you got to be careful either way. Now, now the other thing, another dark pattern is pre-check boxes, and this is another one where it gets people sideways um, all the time. A lot of times, you you don't always read the fine print, and especially when you're on your phone, you almost sure. can't read the fine print, right? And you got to scroll all the way down, and there'll be a pre-check box, and you'll hit accept, but you won't see the fact that that box is it's checked. Check, yeah. And if that box is checked, it may say something to the equivalent of. I recognize, understand, and authorize the company to charge my my card $100 if not canceled within 72 hours. Well, it won't have anything about that at the top, top of the page. Way down and at so, the bottom. And so you thinking, you're thinking that you're signing up for a free trial, and, and, and in reality, you've <laughs> just paid for something for a year. Well, so you got to be really careful. You do. And I, mean, and I think part of the problem with that is when you scroll down, we, we're so used to scrolling on down and say, yeah, I approve. Right. And... Then they started running these little check boxes in on us that weren't there before, right. but now they are. So well, you, now they're pre-checked, so you actually have to go and you have to uncheck it. the box. Yeah. Um, I, I personally stay away from any company if I if I see pre-checked boxes. That that's a telltale sign yeah. to me that this this company's just after money. They don't care about me as a consumer. Now I don't want to paint with a broad brush. I'm sure there are some great companies out there that maybe use some tactics that you know are unethical. But uh, as a general rule of thumb to me, if, if, if I'm going down, you know, something and I see pre-check boxes, I usually am not just going to, I'm going to go somewhere else. There's general, usually several companies that offer the same thing. As a general rule in life, I've found that uh, people try to snooker you in one area, probably will snooker you at any place right. they can down the line. So if you've already caught it and you haven't even signed up for their service, but just in trying to sign up for yeah. something, you start to see the red flags. Yeah. That's probably uh, you know a good omen that you don't want to do business with them. No, no. So uh, I would look at it as if you just met some, uh, some attractive young lady or attractive <laughs> young man, and uh, they've lied to you three times in the first 10 minutes, you go... This is probably not going to be a, a romance made in heaven here. <laughs> not marriage material. No. I think they're, they're, they're out to fleece me. Uh, I, I'm curious, how long have you been with the Better Business Bureau now? Uh, about seven years. Your attitude, because I know that after getting into news, I, it was a huge education for me because I covered so many different things and so many things I never knew existed before. Having been there for seven years and seeing all the things, 
What do you take away from that? I mean, it's just that you had even more now than ever before is being very, very careful. Yeah. Uh, you, well, we could say that uh, I'm pretty jaded when it comes to, <laughs> to, to how I do business. Uh, it drives my wife crazy. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I scrutinize every little thing. Um, I don't put up with bad customer service, like, you know, all, all these things. Um, but yeah, it, my spending habits have changed uh, considerably. Um, and because when you all, when all you do is hear horror stories yeah. all day long, right? Like, you know, and so, uh, you know, I, yeah, I can be... Uh, I can be pretty thorough in uh, how I spend my money these days. And, and the fact that you've seen so much. Also, you don't mind asking very pointed questions because you know that's how they get away with it. They, they, they count on most people right. not asking the tough questions. Well, and then also for some reason, and, and again, maybe it's just how we're groomed in society to be polite, but, you know, business is business. And so I don't take it personally, right? Like a lot of times I think people are afraid or maybe they don't want to be uh, rude or they, they don't want to be unpolite, you know, to, to somebody who's who's, you know, trying to sell them something, but, you know, I don't have a problem saying no. And I think that's, that's something that, uh, and I've noticed that a, a lot of times when I'm reading complaints or I'm talking to a consumer who is, is having issue with the business or had an issue and, and they were like, well, you know, I, I realized that but I just, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be mean. I didn't want to be impolite. And I'm like, this is business, man. Yeah. Like they're trying to take your money. You know, yeah. you, you have to stand up for yourself. And they'll take more than their share too. Right. Like yeah. So I think, I think some of it's just learning to say no. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and no, I, I don't want to spend my money with you. That was a, a word my mother had down hat. Because I would, everything I asked her if I could do, she'd go, no. <laughs> How about, can I do this? No. Can I do yeah. No. <laughs> but Everything I wanted to do, I should have been allowed to do. So there you are. I think I think no, learning to say no and then being an informed consumer. That's yeah. that's one thing we preach is that you know you can't always. I mean, it, this isn't this isn't. Um, I mean, we're in a new time, right? You just can't you just can't take everybody's word for it. So just because you're talking to a company and they're telling you something. In this same time, you have to vet that, you know, and you've got lots of places you can vet it through the BBB, sure. but if you choose not to use us, you know, there, there are other places that you can vet that information, but we would always encourage someone to be an informed consumer. And that means sometimes taking the extra time, going ahead and checking something out beforehand, it can save you a lot of time and hassle on the back end. I did hear something the other day that I was really kind of surprised about that most reviews of businesses and restaurants and food and stuff are bots, that they're not real people. Yeah. And that uh, to find out if the, if they are real, start looking at the verbiage and see if they mm-hmm. uh, sound very similar. If every review sounds very similar, it's a bot. That that is a good point. And then I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tout the BBB for a second. That's the difference between our reviews and, and other reviews. We actually have a staff of people. When you leave a review for a business, whether it's positive or negative, at the Better Business Bureau, we actually. Uh, double check to make sure not only it's a person, but it's an actual customer. So you can't be a jilted lover or somebody that got cut off in traffic, you know, that you, you know, or, or a neighbor and you're mad at that person and leave a negative review or a positive review because people juice their own businesses by leaving false, you know, false positive reviews. So we actually uh, vet and make sure that the person or that, that the review that was left is actually a customer. So, um, you know, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but we do deny quite a few, you know, we, we, we weed out a lot of reviews, but we're going to we're going to verify that it's an actual customer of a business uh, before we publish a review. And restaurants uh, get most of the the tough ones because they're just small businesses. They right. don't have somebody to lean on to say, "Help me uh, weed out these." Uh, so if you support a local restaurant, you see somebody give them a bad review, just come right in again and say, "We go there all the time, yeah. and this is what we found." And then usually that spurs other people that are fans to go on. And, and, you know, anybody, especially in the customer service industry and restaurant, you know, anybody can have a bad day, right? So just because your server may not, a, you know, is having a bad day or may not have filled your drink, you know, it, 
don't 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 bash him on social media just because you know you 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 know I mean give give somebody a chance. Well, here's the other thing. They said that ninety uh, percent of the restaurant reviews that are very very negative and mean are coming from their competitors because they want yeah. to kill their business. Right. And, and that's disturbing too. So know that when you read reviews, yeah. you know, you're, you're not always, you, you, you have to be careful, right? Even, uh, even when you're trying to verify and you're trying to do your due diligence, you have to know that there are false reviews out there and you have to get your information from a credible source. And if you've got any questions, how do they get to touch with the BBB? Well, you can give us a call at 901-759-1300 or you can go to our website, bbb.org. Daniel Irwin, please tell our good friend Randy Hutchison hi and get well sick. I will. I will. Thanks, Earl. You bet. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back. Uptown Funk. Recorded right here in Memphis, Tennessee at Royal Studios. And I heard that song the very first time. I said, that is a hit. When I heard those horns come in, I went, that is a hit. And I said, it had to have been done in Memphis. Then I found out it was, and it didn't surprise me a bit. And uh, uh, just a a great, great uh, hit song right there. Uh, This just came out. MPD says nearly 7,000 cars have been stolen in just five months, and uh, residents are fed up. Really. I understand... uh, uh, over the weekend at Buckley's, uh, fine fillets over on uh, Poplar had a, a number of cars that were broken into over there. And it happens everywhere, but the car thefts are just really out of town. Um, the frequent problem leaves residents with the decision of whether to leave their car locked or unlocked at night. Residents said these are going to break in regardless. Uh, so I just keep my door unlocked because I've had my windows busted out before in the same apartment complex, just a different building. Uh, this guy said, I was just like, at this point, I'm going to stop locking my doors. I'm going to just leave the door unlocked. And what they take is what they take. But this time they stole her entire car, clothes, credit cards, car seat included, and possibly an on, on the camera. Uh, it's a camera right there, Colin said. I feel like this camera would have at least caught my car or caught the people maybe running over there and grabbed my car. But yeah, nothing, she said, referring to the cameras at her apartment complex. ABC 24 reached out uh, to the leasing agent and was awaiting uh, a potential video. Half those cameras out there, I hate to tell you this, but they're not recording anything. They're just there as dummy cameras to try to, you know, it's like leaving a police car, empty police car on the side of the road to make you think they're, they've got radar there. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's been there four days and you can't see into it, but uh, chances are ain't nobody there. In the meantime, Collins filed a police report and is waiting for the MPD to help track down her stolen car. Uh, from right out in front of her apartment. I just look out and was like, wait a minute, where's my car? I went in the house, I grabbed my key and began to click the button to see if I could hear the noise, but then I realized it's not there. Uh, Kathy Thurman Edwards with uh, State Farm Insurance was on last week, said that a number of these uh, manufacturers, Kia, Hyundai, uh, that have these uh, keys that you, you can, you don't even have to have the key to steal them. They get in there and they can override the, the little chirp chirp noise and uh, reprogram it and get in your car and drive away and there's nothing you can do. I think the most effective thing that we've come up with that uh, people I've talked to, the police, insurance companies, or the club, in fact, the police department was giving away clubs to a bunch of people just to try to get them out there and get people to start realizing they work. They still may damage your, you break in a window or damage your steering column trying to hotwire it, but they can't get the club off without some serious tools. 
And uh, most of them just see the club and go, we're going to move on down the road, take something just a little bit easier. Uh, so, uh, and then listen to this, uh, a uh, forgery suspect, and this is, goes back to the uh, low bail bonds, uh, just tell police, just take him to jail so he can get out on bond and get back to doing what he does best, uh, forging checks. Police say they caught the man with a forged check at the Midtown Bank, and he told officers, go ahead and take him to jail so he could bond out. Uh, investigators say Kenneth Winfrey, 28, arrested Tuesday afternoon when he tried to cash a $5,800 check at Regents Bank on Cleveland Street that was written out to him. Regents said two days earlier, a check written out to Winfrey and deposited into a customer's account and an ATM was flagged as fraudulent. Bank officials said the check was from the customer's account and the check number did not match the current checks issued to that customer. I mean, it's just... You see it happen while they're stealing checks and then uh, going in and uh, writing, just forging it over, and they take it to people they know at a check-cashing place. They cash it, and then it comes out as a stolen check. But um, Buster's, you know, which got robbed the other night, uh, my good friend Josh Hammond said he's really blasting the bail bond system after burglars uh, crashed into his store one more time. Bank supervisor said when... Uh, all these people get arrested. They they're out of jail before they can install new windows in in the in the restaurant. I was by Buster's today. Still has plywood up. The guys are out of jail. We're talking more about FM 100's last day after the top of the hour. So stay tuned with us. He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere, a radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This, this is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and welcome back, guys. Uh, We've been saying throughout the shows the momentous day in the history of broadcasting here in Memphis, Tennessee. It was May 22nd, 1947, when FM 100, WMC FM 100, signed on the air downtown at uh, 1960 Union Avenue. And today uh, was its last day. And uh, on the phone with me right now is a good friend and, and former employee of WMC FM 100, <laughs> Natalie Rosenberg. Good afternoon, Natalie. Hi there, Mr. Earl Farrell. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Well, it's kind of a sad day for everybody uh, in Memphis, and I think everybody who worked at FM 100 over the years. It's hard to see a radio station uh, and its legacy, and, uh, and uh, you know, I think we're all kind of sad. But at the same time, you know, uh, when you call me and ask me about it, I wanted to kind of remember some of the people that worked there some of the great people that work there, the office staff, Dean Osmondson, um, let's see, I have Henry Nelson, John Scott, David Day, Greg Hamilton, Mike Powell, Leon Griffin, Ron Michaels, Wendy, the um, traffic girl. I think, um, let's see, Melody Meadows worked there as well. We just passed away. So there were some really, really great people. It was, when I walked into that building at 1960 Union Avenue, it was one of the proudest days of my life. Yeah. I never thought I could work for a radio station that had um, so much history and and such a great uh, management. 
It was, we worked for Scripps Howard at the time. That's right. In fact, Scripps Howard at the time had AM, FM 100, AM 790, uh, Channel 5, uh, and it had the two newspapers. <laughs> right. And you it think. Was WMC, Earl, it was a WMC family of stations. It, it was. And, it, and so what we got to do as a group, we put on the Star Spangled Celebration on the river, yep. Make-A-Wish, uh, the fallen, we raised money for the fallen officers and firemen. We did St. Jude, the Halloween with the, uh, with the bag lady. And, uh, and let's see what else. I think we did, uh, uh, let's see, trying to think of all. FM 100 deserves a place in the Radio Hall of Fame in its entirety because of all the money, all the wonderful things <clears throat> that the staff and the station did. It, well, it's just legendary, and, and uh, I'm lucky to work there. I, I was, too. And I was uh, after looking at your <clears throat> post on Facebook, I started thinking about it. It really is just a building without all the people that worked there all those years. And, and what those people did was continually to excel and, and do more than anybody else in broadcasting ever did. That's why people remember it so fondly, is that they uh, raised money, they were involved in the community, they, uh, you turned to FM 100 and found out what was going on in the community, what was happening. You know, uh, some new song had come up, it'd pop up there first. Uh, and it was all those personalities that you listened to during morning drive, during the, the noon hour, and the uh, Preston Giacomo on the way home, or the overnight people. And then, right. And it's like you said, all the other salespeople, the receptionists, the, you know, it was just all of them working together. And, and I just remember that at every event, Everybody showed up for it. Right. We had, I must say, we had a blast. It was, it was a family, and, and FM 100 was a huge part of the fabric of Memphis. Yeah. Even if you didn't listen to the station, you certainly knew about it, and uh, you knew all of the good things that, that we did in, in the past. So, um, you know, it's just, I think people will remember FM 100 uh, as part of their growing up and in their 20s and 30s and uh, with the great music that we had. And I can remember coming back from Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, just close to the Tennessee River, I heard my radios picking up F1, <laughs> FM 100. I hear Memphis calling me home. And that meant that I was coming home to Memphis. <clears throat> and and it, it just it meant so much to everybody. I can't tell you. That, I don't know if you got to listen to the show today. Then um, that was the last song they played. And I think mm-hmm. it got to everybody, whether you were listening at home yeah. or in your car right. or there in the studio with Ron, Karen. I mean, they had everybody. You mentioned John Scott. I think John Scott stopped by today to talk about and he was part of the, the early history. He played uh, uh, the Star Spangled Banner by uh, Jimi Hendrix. And that's what oh, they yeah. said. That was the day that it hit the fan at FM 100 because nobody had ever played <laughs> anything like that before. <laughs> And, uh, well, let me tell you, I think Dean Osmondson and, and uh, Don Myers uh, stepped in every once in a while and <laughs> calmed, the, calmed everybody down because sometimes they did get into a little bit of trouble. And if you have another second talking about trouble, uh, Ron and Steve, one morning, they got on the air and told everybody that their, that their $20 bills, the, the uh, Federal Reserve was calling in. Twenty dollar bills, and so be sure and go to the bank and and, and turn in your twenties. Well, 
you're talking to one gullible salesperson. And I said, <laughs> well, whatever they say, whatever they say, I'm going to do. So I drove to the bank on the way in. I just cashed, I just cashed my, uh, my check and I had 20s. And I went to, I drove, went to the drive in and I said, <laughs> <laughs> can you give me, can you please change these $20 bills? I heard that the Federal Reserve is calling them in and the, the bank lady said, well, I haven't heard of that yet. And, and so she gave me the change. And when I got to the station, I think the Federal Reserve had called Don Myers. I think actually and, it was the Secret Service that oversees oh, yeah, counterfeit okay. money and anything to do with our cash. And they called the station and said, you get him to cease and desist or we're going to arrest everybody at that station. <laughs> oh. And I used to call Don Myers the big guy. I said, the big guy was <laughs> yeah. pissed. <laughs> he he was on the warpath, but that was the only time. I mean, they had him. The poor guy. I mean, how many times did he go? I can't believe you guys are you ever using your brains ever? Listen, he walked down the hall. His face was so red. He thought something's going to happen. Yes. This <laughs> is it. Sort of, he would head toward the control room. Rock, rock and Ron <laughs> and, and Steve. They're going to be gone this time. And every That's time right. they figure out some That's way right. of keeping them around. And, uh, you know, oh, Lord. I think it was and Ron. And I'll tell you one more. I'm I, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, Ron has this ability to act like he's so innocent. Oh, was that, <laughs> is that wrong? You can't do that. <laughs> but listen, one morning I was driving into work early, turned them on, and I hear James Taylor. James Taylor is in, is in, uh, the control room. And I said, oh my gosh, I want to go meet James Taylor and get his autograph. So I raced, I rushed to work, ran up the stairs, the back stairs of Channel 5, went into the, went into the control room and it wasn't James Taylor. It was Preston Davis. <laughs> doing <pretending>. James Taylor. <laughs> doing James Taylor. <laughs> oh, this, they were always doing that. I remember there was some guy that could do a great Tom Brokaw. This is Tom Brokaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They got him to call Kim Clark and tell him that Kim, this is Tom Brokaw. We feel like you're ready to make the move and come to New York. So send oh. us another tape and we'll take a look. <laughs> She's running up down the halls going, I'm going to network. <laughs> I think I think they tried to call Sam Walton at Walmart. They I did. That went. They, they, they got <laughs> through and then somebody figured out what was going on and they said, we will own you if you ever even breathe a <laughs> word of this. And so oh, that's good. That story did stay buried forever. Uh, that, <laughs> I did. I was talking to Ron and we're going to ready to talk to Ron Olson here right after the break, but he did okay. say, if you could do one thing, if you could just your way of saying thank you to Ron and that's selling me your jukebox. That's what he said. <laughs> Oh, he's been after God. you to sell you the jukebox since I've known him. He goes, if I could just get that, that jukebox from, from Natalie Rosenberg. Well, he'll have to wait in line. I think it's in the wheel <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> I told him, fat chance, pal. She's never given that thing up. Well, you guys have to come by and see because I've got a lot of Memphis records on there. That Oh, I, just, I, would, love to, I would love to just hear it. And, and speaking of that, when I was listening, they played a song by the Beatles today. They played... Uh, Bruce Springsteen, and it was the sound that was coming through my car. Of course, the stereo system in cars are much better now than in those days, but I couldn't believe all the different sounds coming from different speakers, which they used to do a lot more of than I think they do today because it was stereo for the first time. And they Stereo could, FM. Yeah, yes, and that was a right. huge deal. People were hearing music for the first time in a car in stereo, and that was right. a huge thing. Right. So 
So, well, well Nat- Natalie I Rosenberg, think- thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes with us. You were a big part of it. People love you, and and you'll always be a part of it. Oh, gosh. Well, let me tell you, I think the whole city of Memphis owes FM 100 a big round of applause. I agree. Thanks for bringing so much fun to Memphis. I think we all drive by 19 Union Avenue to honk. Only thing is, they ain't there no more. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. We can have a reunion, Earl. We'll all be together. I'm all for it, Natalie. Let's let's get it to going, because the last one we had was great. We ought to do it again. Thank you, my dear. Thank you. I love you. Love you back. Thanks. Uh, Bye-bye. All right. We're going to call Ron Olson uh, right after the break. You do not want to miss this, so stay with us. We'll be right back. And welcome back, everybody. Special guest now, the good friend Ron Olson. Hey, hey. Is on the line. This was a a very emotional day, Uh, not just for you. And I know you got emotional this morning. I did just listen to you. Uh, but it was for everybody that's ever been in Memphis very long and got used to listening to FM 100. It was part of our youth. It really was. It, uh, you know, the 56 years started in 1967. And, um, you know, first song they ever played was Devil with the Blue Dress on, Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels. And the last song they played was Memphis, I'm Coming Home. And, uh, it was pretty cool when you think about it. There were so many stories and so many people. Uh, Vicky was just saying, think how many people worked there in sales, oh, programming, God. news, uh, on-air talents, either for a little time or a lot of time. And, uh, you know, just uh, we have an, just an army of really good people who will be friends uh, for life, you know. Well, they, uh, they, shared, they, they shared an experience. of. Uh, I had Natalie Rosenberg on just before you who was in yeah. sales there forever. And, and she said it, yeah. the, the day she walked in there was like the happiest day of her life because wow. everybody knew FM 100. I mean, it was huge. And to get a job right. there was like getting a job with RCA records or right, right. Know, NBC in New York, because it was just 300,000 watts. I don't think people really realize what that means. And back in the day, Claire channel, you guys were at night. How far away could you pick up FM 100? You know, it would go way up into Missouri and probably close to Nashville and way over near the side of Little Rock. And and uh, uh, I guess the FCC back in the day wanted to make sure that uh, they had a way to reach people, you know. With, yeah, for emergencies, uh, yeah. Yes, anything. So it was grandfathered in, uh, so they could not take that away from us. So eventually, uh, you know, the stations, I think most stations had like – for example, the most they would get would be a hundred thousand watts. Yeah. So, but you know, Natalie Rosenberg, prime example of a great salesperson. Um, I mean, she could sell you anything. When she walked in, it was a pleasure to have her sit down across from you and tell you how much it's going to cost and what, how many spots we can run, and and we just want to get the word out. She was one of the best, though. She was well, one of the very best. But I think that was the, all the people that were successful at FM 100, it was because they were good people. I mean, the reason Natalie could sell to anybody is because everybody loved her. I mean, what do you got? I'll buy it. Right. You know, it's it's about relationships, whether you're on the air, you want people to be able to feel like they can tune in every day and follow you and listen to you and, and kind of follow your life. And, and, you know, they're, they're eating at the same restaurants or, paying the same taxes, 
You know, they're going through the same hurts and pains that everybody endures. So, well, you know, they relate to you. It was like y'all were talking today in the last show with uh, Wendy Hayes and Karen Perrin. Uh, you know, they, they announced the, the that they were pregnant on the air. I remember yeah, when right. when uh, Vicky was pregnant with Jessica Pearl, you know, and then I remember us going and looking for her first daycare center. I mean, you and me <laughs> looking for a daycare center. Feature <laughs> that one. <laughs> like, we knew a lot about that. So do you, yep. eat, do you give yeah. them dessert here? Do they get dessert? <laughs> the... What was it? In fact, one of the things I noticed was when you were, the first song you played was one by Springsteen, and I'm in my yeah. car. I'm hearing sounds I never hear come out of a car stereo now. Were they just did they mix it so you had all these different sounds? And then same thing with the Beatles song, all these sounds uh, I, I I never you don't hear anymore. No, well you know those songs probably haven't been played in a long long time. You know, but I, I was having fun in there today. I tell you, I wish. Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't know. I guess you got to have somebody to guide the guide the programs. But I would love to have a show where I just go in and play whatever I want to play every day. Well, yeah, and, because uh, those songs you I haven't heard some of those songs. Olivia Newton John. You played uh, Springsteen. You, you played. Uh, I mean, all the Beatles. When was the last time you heard somebody play one of the early Beatles songs? Songs and mixing in with some new things. So. It was good, you know, that, that taking it to the streets by the Doobie Brothers sounded really good. It today. did. It really did. So, And I think that uh, that's what RVR to do now since FM100 is no longer in existence. You guys can play whatever you want. And uh, people love hearing something, you know, other than uh, Prince, for for example. I mean, I like Prince, right. but, you know, there's so many songs that we haven't heard in years. And I don't know if it's the consultants that pick that or who does that, but I was just thoroughly uh, enjoyed hearing that. And by the way, I brought up the jukebox that uh, uh, Natalie Rosenberg owns that's world famous. Everybody knows about her jukebox. And I said, uh, Ron wanted to know if, if you really wanted to say thank you for all his hard work, if you gave him a shot at buying your jukebox. She goes, tell him to get in line. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't happening. Uh, well, she's a sweetheart, and I would love to have that jukebox or Anybody listening to your show right yeah, now? Yeah, anybody got a jukebox? I I got the records to put in the jukebox. I just need jukebox, and then I need somebody, <laughs> to I fix, need somebody to, to program it. Yeah. Well, I can program. I need to get them upstairs. How to How do we get it upstairs? That'd be the second thing. Well, there would be some talented uh, people with strength, and uh, I I do think it was uh, it was interesting and. Uh, we're going to take a break here in two minutes, but when we come back, I want to talk about what it was like for you and Karen to, and Steve was in there kindly, um, in there, in that room, knowing that you were getting ready to pull the plug on a station that will live in history forever as one of the yeah. great powerhouses of, yeah. uh, FM radio and all that it meant to so many people over the years. I mean, literally every rock and roll person that was in on tour in those days, it, they had to come to FM 100 at some point yeah. to do an interview. Yeah. We didn't even get to touch on all that. There were so many, I mean, there, we, after we got through it, uh, we didn't mention, you know, the race for the cure. We didn't mention nine 11, didn't mention the death of Elvis. Didn't mention the three alarm fire that I was trapped in. I mean, uh, there was just like, and all the concerts and that uh, there's so many, you know, funny, funny stories. I mean, we should have done it a little longer, but it just we couldn't get everything in today. So it was it was remarkable. It was really an honor to to be a part of it, and 
I felt like I was the you know best man at the wedding today. Well, even uh, Gary Earhart put some pictures up that he took of the, you in the studio, and that's the first time you'd been back in the FM 100 studio since yeah. you and Karen yeah. were there. Yeah, and uh, it felt good there today. It was neat. I love I you know I, I love radio and and uh, you know I love the the uh, opportunity that I've had to be able to you know have fun and goof around, but also you know just to be going and work every day and do that, do what you're doing and talking about the world and playing great music. And I mean, if you can line up and get paid to do that, I recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> well, but the, and the thing about it is you, you've done such a good job of, of just being a friend to everybody. And, and I think that's what has endeared you to everybody. Everybody feels like they know Ron Olson because you're yourself. I mean, look how many guys Ron. that aren't anything like they are on the air in person. And you've always been just Ron. And, that, and that's, some of the stories that we did get to, uh, including you, we're going to play some back on the river in the morning to kind of recap the whole day. But you told, told me a story that I swear to you I've never heard before about well, you in the news. Yeah, hold on. we got to take a break. We're talking to Ron Olson about the last day of FM 100. We'll talk more about it after the break. Now, back to the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. Once again, Earl Farrell. And welcome back on this uh, momentous day, a day that FM 100 uh, signed off the air. And uh, I do want to mention some traffic situations. Uh, we're getting Ron Olson on the air. Uh, we've got one at um, eastbound I-240 there at the Nankana exit to enter Nankana and head east. Uh, you've got another accident that is at Walnut Grove Road uh, right there uh, at the beginning out there by Baptist Hospital and Christian Brothers. And then we got another one. This is all going on MLG and W work on Germantown Parkway. And that's all where those poles are down. They're trying to repair uh, the, the lights there so everybody gets their juice back in line. Now back to the phones and uh, the one and the only Ron Rockin' Ron Olson. Hey, 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 that, Earl, what's going on there? <laughs> that was one of the things I would ask you. Where did and you played that song today? That the, the in the song that it goes, hey, hey, uh, what was the song? And is that where you got hey, hey from? No, I, a lot of people think, and I think that too. But it, <laughs> it was a crowded. The band is called Crowded House. Crowded House. Hey, and, now uh, it goes. Hey now, hey now. Everybody yeah. thinks that's like, uh, I don't know where I got that from. I guess, uh, you know, there used to be a, a character on, uh, God, it was Hank Kingsley, who used to do that on the G Gary Shandling show. Uh, he used, that was his little thing, too. He used to kind of come out, like he would warm up the audience on this, you know, the Gary Shandling show, and he, the band would be playing. He'd come out and go, hey now, hey now. Hey now. Hey well, it, it worked for you because everybody knows. I mean, I've been out with you, and uh, that's what they say is, hey, now, Ron. Hey, now. Hey, hey. Hey, now. Hey, hey now. now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it it and, is uh, funny how things just kind of take on a life of their own. And uh, uh, it, even, the, even the relationships you have with your other on-air people, like Steve Conley and Karen Perrin, right. y'all were all three together there again today. And it, it went back to exactly what it was before. You would set stuff up, then Steve would jump in there and, and start 
tell the story, and then Karen would go, no, that's not right. That's not what happened. Now, but, you know, it's so funny because we worked together for about 14 years, and that's a long time, and Steve is one of the best, you know, I've ever been with. Uh, he's brilliant and funny, and I think he's one of the best voices ever, and and uh, Karen is the same way. She's just a uh, um, uh, just fun person to be around with, and like my wife says about her and her husband, they're easy to be with. Yeah, which is which is really a kind of a cool thing to say about somebody because you know you, they're comfortable and they make you comfortable around them, and that's what she does, and that's basically what Steve does too. You know, they're they're pros at what they do. Absolutely. Well, uh, you think about all uh, Dan Lorenzi, all the people over the years that were such incredible talents. Uh, they came through FM one hundred, and uh, and he, he even. Uh, had the, the, the in memoriam to the people that are no longer with us. I'd forgotten so many people had passed on now that were such a big part of FM 100. Uh, yeah. And I was supposed to be on there today. I came up and we recorded something, and I was sitting in the green room, and they said, oh, sorry, the show's over. <laughs> <laughs> you can go You can go home now. <laughs> you, t- you with the rabbits, you go home too, because they're not getting on. <laughs> there was a lot of stuff today. But can you tell the story now about your experience at F one hundred when when this, you started there when you were doing the news? This is, I'm, I've never heard this story from you before. But I didn't even want to talk to you about it because I just I've only been there like three days, and so well, I'd come from Channel Three, and I was a young reporter there. I'd moved from Dallas about a year and a half before that, and Don Myers, the general manager, and and DeMichaels. What was DeMichaels? Uh, he was the guy had a sales manager. And, he used to come to Bombay and we'd hang out there and I would all be kind of holding court at Bombay telling stories and making everybody laugh. He goes, you know, you're really a pretty funny guy. So we met with Don and I remember we went to folks folly and agreed to the deal. And, and it was a lot of money back then. Of course, it's like they always do like a, a pro football player. They say, this is how much you're going to make if you make all your bonuses, which you'll never make. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> a big newspaper article about how much I was making. So, First week I'm there, I go down to the AM News, and they're the guy down there would put my news together because they told me, so just go down and he'll have it already done. You, he'll give it to you, you read it, and the next hour go get another a fresh batch. So I, I do that for like three days, and I go in there, and I can tell he's really mad about something. I says, is there, is there a problem? He goes, yeah. How come you come down and I put the news together? You just waltz in, take it, go down there to FM 100. You're the one making all the money. How come you're not putting this together? I said, look. I'm just doing what they told me to do. And that's what they told me to do. And I said, so is that what you're mad about? He goes, yeah. I said, well, what do you want to take a poke at me? He goes, yeah. So he rears back and he's going to sock me. And so I grab his arm because I'm not going to hit me. And then I kind of turn him around and get him a chokehold and take him down to the ground. Well, in today's world, you know, we had both been fired. Yes, yes. And he would have been first, though, and he would have been. But I've been, I've been right behind him. So, you know, and so I've said, look, if you get a bloody nose or something, there's going to be questions. Let's just stop this right now. I'm going to let you go, and let's just let this thing go. He goes, okay. So we get up, and he's all red in the face, but no, no, no blood or anything. Right. And I go back down to read my news, and you go, where you been, man? And you, I said, I, we were having a little talk down in the newsroom. <laughs> right. He never, I mean, he never mentioned it again, and I never mentioned it again. And we're not going to say who it no, is. But no, no. I, I know who it is. I was like, 
I can, I can in my own special way kind of see that he was a kind of a frustrated guy. He was, and it wasn't just me. He'd been there a long time, and I think he'd been passed over for some other stuff. Then you Whatever. see, yeah. you see somebody walk in the door and get get everything they want, and uh, but uh, that, but it, there were we had so many uh, good times there, and it was. Uh, yeah. I remember the the uh, FM one hundred parties on Fridays were a big thing. We go to yeah. Captain Bilbo's and different places, and. And, uh, the, uh, and of course the, th- that's where I met you is at Fridays at TGI Friday parties on Thursday nights where at midnight they, they would, uh, blow the confetti all over the place. But I can't believe though, when I think back to it, but then when I met you, you were K97. So you weren't getting up and doing the yeah. morning show then, were you? No, uh, no, I was doing, I think I was, I was doing afternoons then and, and working uh, all day long, all day long. <laughs> That's when I decided then, after that little stint, I thought, you know what? I think I'm tired of uh, answering phone calls why somebody can't come to work and something somebody's <laughs> off the air. So I got a new plan. Take care of one person. That's me. <laughs> and I'll, I'll call me if something's wrong. And, hey, me, what's wrong? You know, I'm just, uh, that that got old. Uh, and I thought it'd just be simpler just to try to do mornings and do, you know, spend my life doing that as opposed to trying to tell other people how to do things or, or going to meetings and all that kind of junk. It was not for me. So, well, and I think you end up doing exactly what you needed to be doing still are, uh, which is the incredible yep. thing about it is, uh, you know, there've been, look how many people we both known that have come and gone in the industry that are, have been retired for years and are perfectly happy being retired. And yeah, and I, I guess we just won't take no for an answer. <laughs> no, well, you know, it, the secret is to work with somebody like Karen, who kind of keeps you young, and and you know, also the music, uh, the, it, it, you know, keeps you young too. I think. I yep. mean, think about that. I listen to about probably, I don't know, three or four hours of music every day, you know, my life, and in my headphones, or you know, I'm listening, I'm in it, I'm, you know. It's just part of your life, and I think that makes you, you know, keeps you young and keeps you going. And also, the other secret, and everybody listen to this, is let your wife pay all the bills and don't tell me nothing. <laughs> you don't want to know. That's I don't want to know. That's... Now, I still don't know what my daughter's wedding cost, uh, which was great. I said, <laughs> I, don't tell me. I don't want anybody to hint or leak it in any way. I, you... Vicky, you take care of it, the financial part, and don't tell me a thing or I will have a meltdown. Yeah, well, that's, that's the arrangement we have at our house, too. I'll bring it in. You spend it. Just don't tell right. me how much this stuff costs. I know. That's, it, that's what I'm best at. I did God. see a picture of Jessica and your two grandsons uh, there yeah. at the station this morning. They were there. And that had, that was, that's what I wanted to kind of wrap up with. That had to have been a very emotional thing to be in that room, FM 100. Too bad it wasn't at 1960 Union Avenue where it was yeah, for so many yeah, years. Yeah, but still being in there with the the, the big wall uh, printed thing with the FM 100 logo on it right. behind you and yeah and just uh, talking to those people and 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 talking about the memories uh, that have been around for so many years. Jessica told me she said the funny thing is the uh, Olson who's four he thought the station was at was at City Silo at, at Saddle Creek. <laughs> <laughs> you did a remote well, there. Our, we did our toy drive there yeah. you know, for all the kids, and then he thought that that's where the radio station was at City Silo. So he was like, "Oh, this is a different deal. It's crazy." So yeah, it might- anyway, it, the whole thing has been fun. It's been a wild ride, and uh, I, you know, I tell you, it's just like I'm 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 just emotionally emotionally drained. Yeah. Right now, it was just so much fun and so many good people. A few people not so good. One in particular that I won't mention right now that I'm about to. 
I'm gonna. I'll call you later and tell you. You won't believe what I just experienced, but I'll share that with you off the air later. Yeah, we'll do that. Then I'll I'll leak it later. How about that? Okay, that's good. <laughs> well, right. congratulations, Ron, for right, a, a great career there at F100. You now at RVR the River, yeah, and uh, yeah. many more years there with you and Karen. I appreciate it, brother. You're my man. Now get out of here. Get out of here, <laughs> Ron Olson, ladies and gentlemen. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll come back and wrap things up. And welcome back. Great having Ron Olson check in and talk about a very emotional day for anybody who ever got to work at FM 100 and, and enjoy all those great people. I put some pictures up uh, of Kathy Thurman Edwards uh, with Ron back at uh, one of the um, uh, New Year's Eves on Beale Street um, and WC, WMC Family Estations and AM, FM, uh, and TV would all be down on Beale Street, and both of them looked fantastic. And I uh, had a shot of Ron Childers and I. We were down at the barbecue wearing some <laughs> horrible looking. They weren't even Hawaiian shirts. I think I don't know where they came from. Kmart is where they probably came from. I just but all the things over the years we had to do. I remember we were doing the New Year's Eve on Beale Street. Uh, and it was, uh, it had some incidents of the years before. So they said this year we're hiring security. So we go from one building to the next on Beale street. Uh, they, we'd have a couple of guys with us and I said, I don't know. I, don't, I feel kind of funny. We've never had security before, you know, and it's about that time we're walking from BB Kings over down to, um, Rum boogie. And I look down and I see this chrome plated pearl handled 38 special sliding across the cobblestones. <laughs> and I went, Maybe we do need you guys tighten up here, tighten up. <laughs> so, but there never were any incidents. But I just remember seeing that gun slide across the cobblestones. I said, you know, uh, there could be a reason that we need these security guys out here. But uh, we did for years there. I did uh, Beale Street, New Year's Eve, and uh, and there were some great broadcasts that were there. Especially had so many talented people back then, and uh, they had all been around. They were all just such veterans. You could just put a mic in their hand and. Nobody was looking down at a cell phone to read what they had typed up earlier. You know, everybody's talking extemporaneously because they knew what they were doing, you know, and it's, uh, we just had a great, uh, a great bunch of people, not just at channel five at FM 100, but throughout this market, it was a, just a great market and still is. It's just, uh, all those personalities you just never forget them. Uh, busters, we all know what happened there last weekend. They had, uh, another ramming uh, truck backed into it. it had about 10 suspects uh, robbed and vandalized Buster's liquor and uh, says that uh, uh, said that uh, thugs and criminals now have the upper hand in Memphis and they know it. The uh, post by uh, Josh uh, Hammond, who's my good friend that owns uh, Buster's, his dad started it years ago. In part, uh, he said, until our prosecutors and judicial system hand out more swift, harsher, and meaningful penalties as a strong deterrent, this uh, behavior will sadly continue. And he's absolutely right. I mean, what's going to stop them? This comes after their businesses was burglarized by 10 suspects, resulting in thousands of dollars of damage and stolen merchandise. And this is not the first time. Last August, 14 men broke into Buster's, stole $10,000 worth of liquor, the owners claim the majority of the suspects are out on bond and, quote, continue to commit these crimes as repeat offenders. I mean, they're getting out before they get the flywood uh, covers over the windows that they broke out. 
Um, over in Midtown at Regents Bank, an accused theft reportedly mocked the judicial system by telling the officer, just take me to jail so I can bond out. I ain't got time for this. So, but if you think that's a jungle, this story I thought would be a great one to kind of wrap things up with. Four children found alive 40 days after the plane they were in crashed in a remote jungle in Columbia. And the children who range in age from just 11 months to 13 years old were found in a remote area of the Amazon jungle, jungle in Colombia after surviving storms and avoiding dangerous animals and rebel soldiers. A plane carrying the children, their mother, and two other adults had crashed on May 1st, killing everyone but the children. I think the mother actually survived for about four days before she succumbed to her injuries. Um, they're learning from indigenous families, and they're learning to live in the jungle save them. Uh, they said the children who are ethnically uh, this Indian tribe there in Colombia, they're children of the jungle, and they are children of Colombia. Their mother had taught them all since birth to be able to build a campsite uh, to show how to survive in the jungle, what plants were edible and what were not, that weren't safe to eat, how to uh, protect yourself from things like snakes and just all the things that will get you in the jungle. Think about this. this. The oldest child was 13. The youngest was one. And all of them survived. They said that the oldest girl, the one that was 13, had pretty much taken care of the other ones, which is the way they do things in Central America and Mexico. Is uh, The older children take care of the younger children because everybody works. And mama, she's got some job doing something or just cooking and cleaning for the whole family. And the oldest daughter takes care of the next to the line, the next to the line takes care of the next and on down the line. And so it's a big group effort, but thank goodness. I mean, you think about it, this country, how many children or buyers would survive because most uh, people have never taken their children, even fishing to learn how to fish in a pond, forget about the alligators and everything else. And these kids uh, knew they survived uh, snakes. They said they would find uh, hollowed out trees and get in there. Then they would build a, uh, a little kind of a fort around that to keep uh, them any kind of pythons or any kind of poisonous snakes from crawling in there with them. And they would snuggle up in there with each other for warmth and they would go out and, and forge for food. How the, how the, the Colombian army ever found them? I have no idea because it's Amazon jungle. And you, this ain't no, uh, like a walk and over to park. And, uh, they ended up found them, said they had a lot of, but they were covered with bug bites. And they were malnourished and dehydrated. But you think about it, 40 days. I mean, it's unbelievable. So I guess if there's anything that comes from that, we should all teach our children just a little bit about survival and what's out there and how to survive. I mean, even so much as having a survival kit in your car. Look how many people, especially in the wintertime, get stuck someplace. They have no water, nothing to drink, nothing to eat, and not even a blanket in the car to stay warm. I know that one of the toughest things I do with my wife is getting her to take a coat with her anywhere in the winter. Yeah, just take a blanket. I bet throwing a blanket in the back of the car it doesn't weigh that much, you know. So I guess the bottom line is, think ahead and always help your children prepare for life because it is a jungle. That's our show for today. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll see you then.